Chapter Twenty Eight, Part One of The Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter Twenty Eight. Part One. After the sedition of St. Martin's and the following day, it seemed that abundance had returned to Milan as by enchantment. The bread shops were plentifully supplied, the price as low as in the most prolific years, and flour in proportion. They who during those two days had employed themselves in shouting or doing something worse had now excepting a few who had been seized reason to congratulate themselves and let it not be imagined that they spared these congratulations after the first fear of being captured had subsided in the squares at the corners of the street and in the taverns there was undisguised rejoicing a general murmur of applauses and half-uttered boasts of having found a way to reduce bread to a moderate price in the midst however of this vaunting and festivity there was and how could it be otherwise a secret feeling of disquietude and presentiment that the thing could not last long they besieged the bakers and meal-sellers, as they had before done in the former artificial and transient abundance procured by the first tariff of Antonio Ferrer. He who had a little money in advance invested it in bread and flour, which were stored up in chests, small barrels, and iron vessels. By thus emulating each other in enjoying present advantage, they rendered i do not say its long duration impossible for such as it was of itself already but even its continuance from moment to moment ever more difficult and lo on the fifteenth of november antonio ferrer de orden de su excellencia issued a proclamation in which all who had any corn or flour in their houses were forbidden to buy either one or the other and every one else to purchase more than would be required for two days under pain of pecuniary and corporal punishments at the will of his excellency it contained also intimations to the elders a kind of public officer and insinuations to all other persons to inform against offenders orders to magistrates to make strict search in any houses which might be reported to them together with fresh commands to the bakers to keep their shops well furnished with bread under pain in case of failure of five years in the galleys or even greater penalties at the will of his excellency he who can imagine such a proclamation executed must have a very clever imagination, and, certainly, had all those issued at that time taken effect, the Duchy of Milan would have had at least as many people on the seas as Great Britain itself may have at present. 
At any rate, as they ordered the bakers to make so much bread, it was also necessary to give some orders that the materials for making it should not fail. They had contrived, as in times of scarcity, the endeavor is always renewed to reduce into bread different elementary materials, usually consumed under another form. They had contrived, I say, to introduce rice into a composition called mixed bread. On the 23rd of November, an edict was published to limit to the disposal of the superintendent and the twelve members who constituted the board of provision, one half of the dressed rice, Rizioni it was then, and is still, called there, which every one possessed, with the threat to any one who should dispose of it without permission of these noblemen, of the loss of the article, and a fine of three crowns a bushel. The honesty of this proceeding every one can appreciate. But it was necessary to pay for this rice, and at a price very disproportioned to that of bread. The burden of supplying the enormous inequality had been imposed upon the city, but the council of the Decirioni, who had undertaken to discharge the debt in behalf of the city, deliberated the same day, the 23rd of November, about remonstrating with the governor on the impossibility of any longer maintaining such an engagement. And the governor, in a decree of the 7th of December, fixed the price of the above-named rice at 12 livres per bushel. To those who should demand a higher price, as well as to those who should refuse to sell. He threatened the loss of the article and a fine of equal value, and greater pecuniary and even corporal punishment, including the galleys, at the will of His Excellency, according to the nature of the case and the rank of the offender. The price of undressed rice had been already limited before the insurrection as the tariff or to use the most famous term of modern annals the maximum of wheat and other of the commonest grains had probably been established in different decrees which we have not happened to meet with bread and flour being thus reduced to a moderate price at milan it followed of consequence that people flocked thither in crowds to obtain a supply to obviate this inconvenience, as he said, Don Gonzalo, in another edict of the 15th of December, prohibited carrying bread out of the city, beyond the value of twenty pence, under penalty of the loss of the bread itself, and twenty-five crowns, or, in the case of inability, of two stripes in public, and greater punishment still, as usual, at the will of His Excellency. On the 22nd of the same month, and why so late, it is difficult to say, a similar order was issued with regard to flour and grain. The multitude had tried to procure abundance by pillage and incendiarism. The legal arm would have maintained it with the galleys and the scourge. The means were convenient enough in themselves, but what they had to do with the end, the reader knows, how they actually answered their purpose, he will see directly. 
it is easy too to see and not useless to observe the necessary connection between these stranger measures each was an inevitable consequence of the antecedent one and all of the first which fixed a price upon bread so different to that which would have resulted from the real state of things such a provision ever has and ever must have appeared to the multitude as consistent with justice as simple and easy of execution hence it is quite natural that in the deprivations and grievances of a famine they should desire it implore it and if they can enforce it in proportion then as the consequences began to be felt it is necessary that they whose duty it is should provide a remedy for each by a regulation prohibiting men to do what they were impelled to do by the preceding one we may be permitted to remark here in passing a singular coincidence in a country and at a period by no means remote a period the most clamorous and most renowned of modern history in similar circumstances similar provisions obtained the same we may almost say in substance with the sole difference of proportions and in nearly the same succession they obtained in spite of the march of intellect and the knowledge which had spread over europe and in that country perhaps more than any other and this principally because the great mass of the people whom this knowledge had not yet reached could in the long run make their judgment prevail and as it were there said compel the hands of those who made the laws but to return to our subject on a review of the circumstances there were two principal fruits of the insurrection destruction and actual loss of provision in the insurrection itself and a consumption while the tariff lasted immense immeasurable and so to say jovial which rapidly diminished the small quantity of grain that was to have sufficed till the next harvest to these general effects may be added the punishment of four of the populace who were hung as ringleaders of the tumult two before the bakehouse of the crutches and two at the end of the street where the house of the superintendent of provisions was situated as to the rest the historical accounts of those times have been written so much at random that no information is to be found as to how and when this arbitrary tariff ceased if in the failure of positive notices we may be allowed to form a conjecture we are inclined to believe that it was withdrawn shortly before or soon after the twenty fourth of december which was the day of the execution as to the proclamations after the last we have quoted of the twenty second of the same month we find no more on the subject of provisions whether it be that they have perished or have escaped our researches or finally that the government discouraged if not instructed by the inefficiencies of these remedies and quite overwhelmed with different matters abandoned them to their own course we find indeed in the records of more than one historian 
inclined as they were rather to describe great events than to note the cause and progress of them a picture of the country and chiefly of the city in the already advanced winter and following spring when the cause of the evil the disproportion that is between food and demand for it which far from being removed was even increased by the remedies which temporarily suspended its effects when the true cause i say of the scarcity or to speak more correctly the scarcity itself was operating without a check and exerting its full force it was not even checked by the introduction of a sufficient supply of corn from without to which remedy were opposed the insufficiency of public and private means the poverty of the surrounding countries the prevailing famine the tediousness and the restriction of commerce and the laws themselves tending to the production and violent maintenance of moderate prices we will give a sketch of the mournful picture at every step the shops closed manufactories for the most part deserted the streets presenting an indescribable spectacle an incessant train of miseries a perpetual abode of sorrows professed beggars of long standing now become this smallest number mingled and lost in a new swarm and sometimes reduced to contend for alms with those from whom in former days they had been accustomed to receive them apprentices and clerks dismissed by shopkeepers and merchants who when their daily profits diminished or entirely failed were living sparingly on their savings or on their capital shopkeepers and merchants themselves to whom the cessation of business had brought failure and ruin workmen in every trade and manufacture the commonest as well as the most refined the most necessary as well as those more subservient to luxury wandering from door to door and from street to street leaning against the corners stretched upon the pavement along the houses and churches begging piteously or hesitating between want and a still unsubdued shame emaciated weak and trembling from long fasting and the cold that pierced through their tattered and scanty garments which still however in many instances retain traces of having been once in a better condition as their present idleness and despondency ill-disguised indications of former habits of industry and courage mingled in the deplorable throng and forming no small part of it were servants dismissed by their masters who either had sunk from mediocrity into poverty or otherwise from wealthy and noble citizens had become unable in such a year to maintain their accustomed pomp of retinue and for each one so to say of these different needy objects was a number of others accustomed in part to live by their gains children women and aged relatives grouped around their old supporters or dispersed in search of relief elsewhere there were also easily distinguishable by their tangled locks by the relics of their showy dress or even by something in their carriage and gestures 
and by that expression which habits impress upon the countenance the more marked and distinct as the habits are strange and unusual many of that vile race of bravos who having lost in the common calamity their wickedly acquired substance now went about imploring it for charity subdued by hunger contending with others only in entreaties and reduced in person they dragged themselves along through the streets which they had so often traversed with a lofty brow and a suspicious and ferocious look dressed in sumptuous and fantastic liveries furnished with rich arms plumed decked out and perfumed and humbly extended the hand which had so often been insolently raised to threaten or treacherously to wound but the most frequent the most squalid the most hideous spectacle was that of the country people alone in couples or even in entire families husbands and wives with infants in their arms or tied up in a bundle upon their backs with children dragged along by the hand or with old people behind some there were who having had their houses invaded and pillaged by the soldiery had fled thither either as residents or passengers in a kind of desperation and among these were some who displayed stronger incentives to compassion and greater distinction in misery in the scars and bruises from the wounds they had received in the defence of their few remaining provisions while others gave way to blind and brutal licentiousness others again unreached by that particular scourge but driven from their homes by those two from which the remotest corner was not exempt sterility and prices more exorbitant than ever to meet what were called the necessities of war had come and were continually pouring into the city as to the ancient seat and ultimate asylum of plenty and pious munificence the newly arrived might be distinguished not only by a hesitating step and novel air but still more by a look of angry astonishment at finding such an accumulation such an excess such a rivalry of misery in a place where they had hoped to appear singular objects of compassion and to attract to themselves all assistance and notice the others who for more or less time had haunted the streets of the city prolonging life by the scanty food obtained as it were by chance in such a disparity between supply and demand or expressed in their looks and carriage still deeper and more anxious consternation various in dress or rather rags as well as appearance in the midst of the common prostration there were the pale faces of the marshy districts the bronze continences of the open and hilly country and the ruddy complexion of the mountaineer all alike wasted and emaciated with sunken eyes a stare between sternness and idiocy matted locks and long and ghastly beards bodies once plump and inured to fatigue now exhausted by want shriveled skin on their parched arms legs and bony breasts which appeared through their disordered and tattered garments while different from but not less melancholy than 
this spectacle of wasted vigor was that of a more quickly subdued nature of languor and a more self-abandoning debility in the weaker sex and age here and there in the streets and crossways along the walls and under the eaves of the houses were layers of trampled straw and stubble mixed with dirty rags yet such revolting filth was the gift and the provision of charity there were places of repose prepared for some of those miserable wretches where they might lay their heads at night occasionally even during the day someone might be seen lying there whom faintness and abstinence had robbed of breath and the power of supporting the weight of his body sometimes these wretched couches bore a corpse sometimes a poor exhausted creature would suddenly sink to the ground and remain a lifeless body upon the pavement bending over some of these prostrate sufferers a neighbor or passer-by might frequently be seen attracted by a sudden impulse of compassion in some places assistance was tendered organized with more distant foresight and proceeding from a hand rich in the means and experienced in the exercise of doing good on a large scale the hand of the good federigo he had made a choice of six priests whose ready and persevering charity was united with and ministered to by a robust constitution these he divided into pairs and assigned to each a third part of the city to perambulate followed by porters laden with various kinds of food together with other more effective and more speedy restoratives and clothing every morning these three pairs dispersed themselves through the streets in different directions approached those whom they found stretched upon the ground and administered to each the assistance he was capable of receiving some in the agonies of death and no longer able to partake of nourishment received at their hands the last succors and the consolations of religion to those whom food might still benefit they dispensed soup eggs bread or wine while to others exhausted by longer abstinence they offered jellies and stronger wines reviving them first if need were with cordials and powerful acids at the same time they distributed garments to those who were most indecorously and miserably clothed nor did their assistance end here it was the good bishop's wish that at least where it could be extended efficacious and more permanent relief should be administered those poor creatures who felt sufficiently strengthened by the first remedies to stand up and walk were also provided by the same kindly ministry with a little money that returning need and the failure of further succor might not bring them again immediately into their first condition for the rest they sought shelter and maintenance in some of the neighboring houses those among the inhabitants who were well off in the world afforded hospitality out of charity and on the recommendation of the cardinal and where there was the will without the means the priests requested that the poor creature might be received as a boarder agreed upon the terms and immediately defrayed a part of the expense 
They then gave notice of those who were thus lodged to the parish priests that they might go to see them, and they themselves would also return to visit them. It is unnecessary to say that Federigo did not confine his care to this extremity of suffering, nor wait till the evil had reached its height, before exerting himself. His ardent and versatile charity must feel all, be employed in all, hasten where it could not anticipate, and take, so to say, as many forms as there were varieties of need. In fact, by bringing together all his means, saving with still more rigorous economy and applying sums destined to other purposes of charity now alas rendered of secondary importance he had tried every method of making money to be expended entirely in alleviating poverty he made large purchases of corn which he dispatched to the most indigent parts of his diocese and as the succours were far from equalling the necessity he also sent plentiful supplies of salt, with which, says Ripamonti, relating the circumstances, the herbs of the field and the bark from the trees might be converted into human sustenance. He also distributed corn and money to the clergy of the city. He himself visited it by districts, dispensing alms. He relieved in secret many destitute families, in the archiepiscopal palace large quantities of rice were daily cooked and according to the account of the contemporary writer the physician alessandro tadino in his raguaglio which we shall frequently have occasion to quote in the sequel two thousand porringers of this food were here distributed every morning but these fruits of charity, which we may certainly specify as wonderful, when we consider that they proceeded from one individual and from his sole resources, for Federigo habitually refused to be made a dispenser of the liberality of others, these together with the bounty of other private persons, if not so copious, at least more numerous and the subsidies granted by the council of the decurioni to meet this emergency the dispensation of which was committed to the board of provision where after all in comparison of the demand scarce and inadequate while some few mountaineers and inhabitants of the valleys who were ready to die of hunger had their lives prolonged by the cardinal's assistance others arrived at the extremest verge of starvation the former having consumed their measured supplies returned to the same state in other parts not forgotten but considered as less straitened by a charity which was compelled to make distinctions the suffering became fatal in every direction they perished from every direction they flocked to the city here two thousand we will say of famishing creatures the strongest and the most skilful in surmounting competition and making way for themselves obtained perhaps a bowl of soup so as not to die that day but many more thousands remained behind envying those shall we say more fortunate ones when among them who remained behind were often their wives children or parents 
and while in two or three parts of the city some of the most destitute and reduced were raised from the ground revived recovered and provided for for some time in a hundred other quarters many more sank languished or even expired without assistance without alleviation throughout the day a confused humming of lamentable entreaties was to be heard in the streets at night a murmur of groans broken now and then by howls suddenly bursting upon the ear by loud and long accents of complaint or by deep tones of invocation terminating in wild shrieks it is worthy of remark that in such an extremity of want in such a variety of complaints not one attempt was ever made not one rumor ever raised to bring about an insurrection at least we find not the least mention of such a thing yet among those who lived and died in this way there was a great number of men brought up to anything rather than patient endurance there were indeed in hundreds those very same individuals who on st martin's day had made themselves so sensibly felt nor must it be imagined that the example of those four unhappy men who bore in their own persons the penalty of all was what now kept them in awe what force could not the sight but the remembrance of punishments have on the minds of a dispersed and reunited multitude who saw themselves condemned as it were to a prolonged punishment which they were already suffering but so constituted are we mortals in general that we rebel indignantly and violently against medium evils and bow in silence under extreme ones we bear not with resignation but stupefaction the weight of what at first we had called insupportable the void daily created by mortality in this deplorable multitude was every day more than replenished there was an incessant concourse first from the neighboring towns then from all the country then from the cities of the state to the very borders even of others and in the meantime old inhabitants were every day leaving milan some to withdraw from the sight of so much suffering others being driven from the field so to say by new competitors for support in a last desperate attempt to find sustenance elsewhere anywhere anywhere at least where the crowds and the rivalry and begging were not so dense and importunate these obsolete bound travellers met each other on their different routes all spectacles of horror and disastrous omens of the fate that awaited them at the end of their respective journeys they prosecuted however the way they had once undertaken if no longer with the hope of changing their condition at least not to return to a scene which had become odious to them and to avoid the sight of a place where they had been reduced to despair some even whose last vital powers were destroyed by abstinence sank down by the way and were left where they expired still more fatal tokens to their brethren in condition an object of horror perhaps of reproach to other passengers i saw writes ripamonte lying in the road surrounding the wall the corpse of a woman 
half-eaten grass was hanging out of her mouth and her contaminated lips still made almost a convulsive effort she had a bundle at her back and secured by bands to her bosom hung an infant which with bitter cries was calling for the breast some compassionate persons had come up who raising the miserable little creature from the ground brought it some sustenance thus fulfilling in a measure the first maternal office